Good Friday morning, everybody, and welcome to the Pittsburgh Pirates Rant Podcast, broadcasting from Scranton, Pennsylvania, the home of the office. Yes, we're here on the back deck. The dogs are here, hopefully relieving themselves from a long night. Uh, And I had a long night. It was a busy night at the nursing home, let me tell you. I pulled an all-nighter again, of course, because that's my job. And uh, it was busy, man. My main man, Curtis, um, older guy, he was quite an athlete himself in his day. He was a semi-pro golfer. He was a runner. He's had knee surgeries. He broke his hip when he was older. He took a fall last night, so that was a shame to see. He pinched his finger in the um, walker, and he actually broke his nail horizontally. (laughs) But he's such a tough guy. Like He didn't want to go to the hospital. His um, elbow was bleeding. He just didn't want to. He thought they would laugh at him um, for some reason. But, yeah, I mean, he certainly has um, a lot of issues with um, dementia. Sometimes he'll be talking to people that aren't there, like uh, old friends of his and stuff like that. But I like Curtis. And then another guy, Jack, uh, also went in the hospital before I got there. So a couple of the dudes that I hang out with... um, had to go to the hospital yesterday so that was a bummer and it was a long night um there was somebody I had she wanted me to do her laundry again at like two in the morning and then there was somebody she wanted me to strip her whole bed and make the bed and then uh there was another woman who was up and she thought that she had to do something she was confused and I told her I would take care of everything and that wasn't even everybody so it was a busy night I mean I guess that's actually good on some level. I mean, certainly not good that Curtis went to the hospital, but it's good on some level that I didn't just sit there like zoning out for six hours um, because I got a lot accomplished. I helped a lot of people. Uh, The one woman who's on hospice still, um, she's still with us and she was worried. She was seeing her dead mother and uh, I told her I would take care of that. And, you know, she's 102 years old and she's been on hospice for quite a while, but Um, she just keeps chugging along, you know, I mean, she hasn't expired yet, um, which is maybe a kind of a raw way to say it, but she's, her quality of life isn't there right now. And she just wants to go see the Lord basically because the, um, the place where I work is a, um, a religious, an old, it's an old like nun, um, place where they've always taken care of like older people and it still has the religious name. And they still do the rosary, and they still have like a um, a Catholic mass every day. But um, you know, most of the people there aren't Catholic. You know, times have changed. Personally, I'm not Catholic, as you know. Um, I don't really believe in any particular organized religion or organized evil or anything like that. You know, I just think that the world is full of good energies and bad energies and you know I sort of have a universe feel to my beliefs you know and I just try to do the best I can every day and you know some days some days you can't and some days are really you feel really good I had a couple days off before this overnight and I was feeling really good I really needed to recharge my battery Um, speaking of recharging batteries uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates needed to do that after that Yankee game. I mean, uh, I didn't, this is my first podcast since that Yankee debacle. 
And the last words I said were, hey, maybe the Pirates will sweep this Yankee series. I mean, I really felt like they were going to have a good homestand. And you know what? They had a pretty good homestand going 3-3 three and three against the Brewers. But it really fell flat on its face because um, they lost the last game 16 to nothing. And this is something that only the Pirates could do. They signed a, they paid a guy cash. They paid the Yankees like they need the cash, right? They paid the Yankees cash for this pitcher to join the team. He's just a left-handed reliever. I mean, we got some of those guys, but they felt like they wanted this guy. So he joins the team in time for the Yankee series. And then in game two, he gets in the game. Now, granted, the game was already over by that point. But he promptly loads the bases and gives up a grand slam to um, Aaron Judge, which incidentally was his 30th home run. And Aaron Judge is, um, he's going to get paid. Let's put it that way, you know. Yankees actually have a really good chance of winning the World Series this year. I mean, the Dodgers, for all of the, um, you know, all of the money they spend, haven't been dominating. I mean, they got swept by the Pirates, right? The Braves are still really good. And I wouldn't count out the Braves. Um, but it's hard to win back-to-back championships. And you feel like the Yankees haven't won one in a while. I know they beat the Phillies in nineteen in um, 2009. And um, that was a year after the Phillies had won the World Series in 2008. And that was probably the last time the Yankees... Um, have won a World Series. Now, they won a lot of World Series around like 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001. They might have won like three out of four years. And then they won a couple more in the 2000s. But for them, I don't know how many championships they have now, 29, 28. For them, it's a little bit of a dry spell. Um, But yeah, so we paid this guy. We paid the Yankees cash so we could bring this guy over and give up a Grand Slam to the Yankees en route to losing 16 to nothing. I mean, like most of Mitch Keller's outings, you know, he looked like he had good stuff in the early innings and he was doing well. But once he got to the third time through the lineup against the Yankees, he got lit up pretty good. In fact, he ended up giving up 10 hits and a walk. So even on a good outing, if you could call this a good outing, he gave up. Um, five runs, his whip was close to two, which it t- all too often is, you know. For his career, his whip is around 1.7, which is ridiculous if you think about it. Two base runners an inning, and he's still got a job, and the, the Pirates are still going to keep running him out there. I mean, if you're going to start Mitch Keller, you can't let him go third time through the lineup. You know, no matter how good he's pitching, unless he's got a no-hitter, you can't let him go third time through the lineup. In fact, um, the Reds pitcher in game one last night had a one-hitter. No, he had a no-hitter going into the third time through the lineup. And um, it went poorly after that, you know? So, I mean, a lot of teams, specifically the Tampa Bay Rays, um, that's the way they do it, you know? Unless they have, like, a true ace... Someone that they can really count on, which they haven't had for a couple of years. Um, they don't let their starting pitchers go 
um, two times through the lineup. And sometimes they have an opener that goes for anywhere between three and six outs, sometimes five outs. So that opener um, gets you through to the fifth hitter, and then they can go two times through the lineup, one, two, three, four. You know what I mean? But not three times through the lineup. Um, and that's just how it works, you know. That's how a lot of teams are doing it. Um, so, yeah, that, ga- that last game against the Yankees really put a bad taste in the mouth of the um, homestand, especially since they had won the night before in front of a sold-out crowd. Uh, then they have another big crowd, and you lose 16 to nothing. And not, all- not only that, in this homestand alone, they lost one game 19 to 2. And they lost another game 16 to nothing. And that was in a six-game homestand. So even though they split the games, it didn't go well, you know? And I guess you could say the same thing about yesterday against the Reds. Even though they split with the Reds, it did not go well, you know? I mean, they won the first game um, through basically a dominant performance by Roanzi Contreras. Um, Then they brought in um, Captain Underpants. Uh, who is Dwayne Underwood Jr., who did who did good, you know. He's he's hit and miss, you know. Sometimes he'll have like three good outings and then a bad outing, which is not terrible. And then they brought in Will Crow, who, you know what, he's not as dominant as he's been as he was earlier in the year. Uh, and it's the same thing you can say about Dylan Peters, who should be coming back maybe today. Um, Dylan Peters has had um, a lot of rehab time. Um Kevin Newman has had a lot of rehab time. And that outfielder that they got from Houston has had a lot of rehab time. And you might see all three of those guys added. Um, I know that they're going to send down um, uh, the outfielder for sure, Bly Madras, who did a great job and will certainly be up at some point again because he did a great job. Um, The infielder, Diego Castillo, is likely to be sent down. Um, Good job. Certainly not a great job. Uh, right now, he's doing the same thing that Rodolfo Castro and Michael Perez have done, which is only hit home runs, um, bat about 170, and you know seven out of his last 10 hits were home runs, which is good to see all those home runs. But I think they want to send him down to try to complete his game a little bit more. Have him hit over 200. In the major leagues, because he's not—he's probably not quite the slugger that Jack Suwinski is. And Jack Suwinski is—you know—we'd be okay with him hitting 210. We would be okay with Jack Suwinski um, striking out 31 percent of the time because he's a slugger, and we don't care about that kind of stuff. You know, if he's going to get us 30 home runs in a year, which, by the way, is not a given. Um, what happens when a guy like Jack Suwinski has success like that? is teams find out about it, pitchers find out about it, and they find different ways to attack players like Jack Sawinski. So I, I don't expect him to get 30 home runs this year. If you remember one year, Josh Bell had like 17 home runs at the break and finished with like 21. Um, there was a year when, I don't remember the guy's name, but a first baseman for the Pirates um, back in 2006, 2007, um, had... Maybe this was 2009. I don't know. He had like nine home runs in the first two months and then really didn't have any after that. It just happens, you know. So we're going to find out 
more about Jack Sawinski in these final three months of the season, which will be August, uh, July, August, and September. Um, he has actually been struggling a bit um, in these last three games, the last game against the Yankees and the doubleheader. Jack Sawinski has been struggling, and I think part of it is certainly pitchers are finding different ways to attack him, and they're finding different weak spots and holes in his swing. And speaking of holes in his swing, um, a th- now a 32% strikeout weight is rate is what O'Neill Cruz has, and it's not quite as acceptable with O'Neill Cruz because he only has three home runs. Um, so when you have a guy that's not a slugger and is batting, I think O'Neill Cruz is batting like 202 or something like that. Um, you don't want to see him strike out 32% of the time. I mean, you want to see someone, if he's not going to hit you 25 to 35 home runs, you want to see a lot more contact, you know? And you know, if O'Neill Cruz makes contact and his ground ball rate isn't too bad, that he's going to get his hits. You know, he's always going to have a high Babbitt because he's got that really strong exit velocity. So he can drive balls into the gap. Um, he can line balls over the shortstop's head um, and stuff like that, you know. But for now, um, with O'Neill Cruz holding that 32% strikeout rate, um, we're really going to have to watch him. I mean, no one has um, said anything critical about O'Neill Cruz's hitting because everybody was calling for him to be up and they were complaining that he wasn't up earlier in the year. I personally wasn't doing any of that stuff, so I don't mind being a little critical of the guy. I mean, uh, I'm not being critical of things I was critical of him before, like his attitude and his work ethic and stuff like that. Now I'm just talking about now that he's up, you know, and he hasn't caused any trouble. um, uh, And he has played, for the most part, a very good shortstop, you know. So my only issue with him is how is he going to do on this road trip? In fact, Um, I would watch those two guys on this road trip because you got some really tough games. You got three games against the Brewers, four games against the Marlins, who are desperately trying to get back into the wild card race before the um, before the all star break um, so they could be buyers instead of sellers. And then um, or at least buyers instead of, you know, stand pat. And then you have three games in Colorado, which Colorado plays well at home. And it could be a brutal nightmare for your pitching staff. Um, now, Colorado could be a place where if O'Neill Cruz and Jack Sawinski struggle in these first seven games versus the Brewers and the Marlins, you could potentially get hot in um, Colorado. And you don't have to do it by hitting home runs. They have a massive outfield. you know. And O'Neill Cruz is not a home run hitter. So if he makes enough contact... And gets enough lift on the ball. He's going to get some hits in that Colorado series. But yeah, that's who I, I would like you to watch. Is um, those two guys. You know, let's see how they do on this road trip. Because it is going to be a grueling road trip. You know, I mean, coming off a doubleheader. Coming off um, a 16 to nothing drubbing from the Yankees. Um, you have to play nine or 10, I think 10 really tough games in that stretch. So, you know, that's something we're going to have to watch. Uh, as far as the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're not very good, you know, and people are still, and I would say the people, I mean, some of the other media, some of the other podcasts, some of the other people that write blogs and stuff like that on Twitter, 
they are still reluctant to call out the complete lack of talent on this team. And what they'll do is they'll blame the coaches. They'll blame Van Meter. You know, they'll pick out one or two veterans that they like to blame. You know, Yoshi, guys like that. But in reality, top to bottom, this is not a very good team. You pretty much have key Brian Hayes and you have um, Brian Reynolds. Even though I know Hayes has really slumped over the last month, I'm, I'm still not concerned with key Brian Hayes. So you got Hayes and Reynolds are your professionals. I mean, they're not long-term veterans, but for this team they are. And then you have actually a very hot um, Vogelbach right now. And then Chavis is sort of hit or miss. He'll have a good game, and then he'll have a couple bad games, and then he'll come back and have a good game. And sometimes it depends whether the pitcher is a righty or a lefty. But, for the, you know, those are your hitters. And then other than that, these guys are really streaky. I mean, the catching is terrible. Um, your second base is, I don't know. I mean, you don't know, you never know who's going to play second base. I mean, they had, um, they had Tupacata Marcano up here for a while. I don't think he's up here anymore. Tucapita Marcano. You had Van Meter playing second. You've had other guys playing second base and it's been very inconsistent. O'Neill Cruz has been a stalwart at shortstop. They did play Diego Castillo at shortstop in game one just to give O'Neill Cruz a break and not make him play both games at a doubleheader. But for the most part, he's been playing shortstop every day. But as good as um, a rookie season that Jack Suwinski is having, um, he's certainly a very hot and cold hitter. He gets hot at home, too. So this road trip is going to be a very big challenge for Jack Suwinski. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of Ben Gamel on this road trip, especially because they're likely sending down um, Bly Madris. You might see regular at-bats with Brian Reynolds in center, um, Ben Gamel in right, and um, Jack Suwinski in left. But yeah, I mean, the Reds and the Pirates are pretty much the same team. And I don't care what the rankings are. I've been watching to see how this team is performing on a minor league level. And again, as I often say, Louisiana Ted and company, the two and a half gringos, they would agree with me, even if they do it reluctantly, that the minor leagues have been disappointing this year. Some of the guys at Bradenton seem to be coming around because they've been having like 12, 14 hit games. Some of the hitters in Greensboro are coming around. Um, certainly, I've mentioned over the past week that um, Andy Rodriguez has really been coming around lately. Um, but just some of the other guys with uh, that are having disappointing seasons with Henry Davis hurt again. Really hasn't put up any sort of numbers in Double A since he's been brought up to Double A. Um, you have um, Matt Frazier who's been extremely disappointing. And then you also have a disappointing season from Nick Gonzalez right now. So, I mean, you're looking at two number one picks having disappointing seasons in Nick Gonzalez and Henry Davis. And then your third number, number one pick, who we focused on recently, um, Quinn Priester, um, he also has had a disappointing season. Um, he was hurt pretty much until a few weeks ago. So 
they've been really easing him back in, you know. And, you know, it's, it's been, it hasn't been dominant. Not a lot of swings and misses, even when he was getting outs. And then his last outing was pretty mediocre. So, and then you got the same thing with Anthony Solomedo. Not that he's the number one pick, but he's a first-round talent. Um, he came up, pitched lights out, got hurt, and then uh, last night or two nights ago, um, he didn't look too good. Uh, he got hit up pretty good, you know, to the tune of an almost three-whip. <sighs> it pushed his ERA, his season ERA, up into the fours or something like that. The one guy, I did mention this briefly on Twitter, the one guy that has been dominating, and you got to put a little bit of an asterisk by this because he's doing it in the Florida Coast League, but Bubba Chandler is dominating on both sides of the ball, you know, and I know this guy is a competitive guy, you know, this guy's sort of a badass, you know, he's kind of like um, Bly Madris, but with a lot more talent, and not to say that Bly Madris isn't a very talented baseball player, because he is. But he's had to work very hard to get where he is right now. And Bubba Chandler, you know, he is also a first-round talent. And you know what? He has looked the part, man. I mean, we'll have to see how he does when he gets promoted to Bradenton. Um, but Bubba Chandler has um, hit home runs. Three home runs and 30 at-bats, so a home run every 10 at-bats, which puts his ops at about 1.127, something like that. Very good. And then his pitching has been lights out. 11 innings, no runs, a 15.2 strikeouts per nine. I mean, he's walked a few guys, but you're always going to have that with a guy right out of high school. Bubba Chandler has been the star of last year's draft so far. No question about it, you know. And you had Henry Davis. You had Bubba Chandler. You had Anthony Solomedo. And you might even want to throw um, the other guy in there. I always call him the Penn State kid because I, I always forget Lonnie White Jr.'s name. But all four of those guys were potentially first-round talents. <clears throat> and then you could make an argument that somebody like... Um, Braylon Bishop could have gone in the second or third round. Uh, people just didn't have the money to spend on him. And people thought he was just going to go back into next year's draft. Um, but the Pirates, now this was a great move by Ben Sherrington. Certainly this is the best thing that Ben Sherrington has done, other than maybe trade for Jack Sawinski, is the way he handled the draft last year. And I'm not saying that Henry Davis is going to pan out, because I have a lot of questions about Henry Davis um, and his health and staying healthy and stuff like that and his um, defense behind the plate and calling games. But um, the way that he handled the draft last year, knowing that he could sign, not knowing that he could draft these guys, but knowing that he could sign all of those guys, and I'm talking about Anthony Solomedo, Bubba Chandler, Lonnie White Jr., not going to Penn State, which was a real shock. And then um, Braylon Bishop. Knowing that he could sign all of those guys, he did a great job, you know. And what he did is he hedged his bet, you know. Like, if for some reason Henry Davis doesn't work out, which he's not a sure thing, right? Maybe he's 50-50. Um, because think about it this way. In the last decade, 
we haven't really had a, a number one, a first round pick pan out. You know, Kevin Newman. <clears throat> you could argue that maybe he panned out, but I think most people would argue that he didn't. We haven't really had a first round pick pan out since um, uh, Jameis Italian. You know, and you had Cole Italian drafted in, if not consecutive years, two out of three years. And those guys both did very well. I mean, granted, Jameis Italian has had two Tommy John surgeries, um, but he stuck with the team longer because he was hurt. Um, Garrett Cole was pretty good out of the shoot. He did struggle in some games, and he struggled in the playoffs, um, but he was good. You know, his ERA was under three when he was with the Pirates. You know, it was just that he was better when he went to the Houston Astros, you know. Uh, what else? Um, I guess that's pretty much it. But, yeah, my point is the Pirates and Reds aren't that much different, you know. You can't say that the Pirates' farm system is any better than the Reds' farm system, despite what Baseball America might say. And you can't say that the Pirates' farm system is any better than the Cubs' farm system at this point. So, frankly, you can't say who's in a better position, you know. None of those teams can bust on any of those other teams, you know. They are all pretty much equally poor. And we, we saw that in that doubleheader yesterday, you know. Pirates won game one. The Reds won game two. But neither of those teams has a lot of talent right now. And that's a problem, you know. So... That is what it is. I've gone over this ad nauseum many times. We've talked about next year in 2004. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Enjoy the game tonight because the Pirates, this is the best chance they have of winning one of these games in, in, um, in Wisconsin because you are facing um, Ashby or Trashby, if you want to call him that. Um, he's a young guy that just isn't ready yet. But they have to have him up on their team because they don't have any other choice, you know. It's very similar to um, Libertor being up with the Cardinals. They know he's not ready yet, but they've had to bring him up because of injuries. Um, So, yeah, this is the Pirates' best chance to win is Friday night um, against Ashby. It gets a lot tougher after that. All right, so enjoy your weekend. I'll be checking in with you, I'm sure. Later in the weekend, uh, the dogs hopefully have done their business. Peace out.